Welcome to Free Chapel Spartanburg with Pastor Javon Ruff. Let's join the service in progress. Luke chapter 24, beginning at verse 1, it says this, Now on the first day of the week, very early in the morning, they and certain other women with them, speaking of the disciples, they came to the tomb bringing the spices. They were the original Spice Girls, but which they had prepared. But they had found the stone rolled away from the tomb. Then they went in and did not find the body of the Lord Jesus. And it happened as, as they, and it happened as they were greatly, noticed this, perplexed about this. Puzzled, confused. What in the world? Marveled. One, one translation says, with great uncertainty. And then the scripture said that, behold, two men stood by them in shining garments. Then as they, were, as they were afraid, they bowed their faces to the earth. They said to them, why do you seek the living among the dead? He is not here, but he is risen. Remember how he spoke to you when he was still in Galilee, saying, the Son of Man must be delivered into the hands of sinful men and be crucified, and the third day rise again. Verse 8, and they remembered his words. Then they returned from the, the tomb, and they told all these things to the eleven and to all of the rest. Father, I thank you this morning for this moment and this time. I thank you, Holy Spirit, that you are here. I thank you that you have come to glorify Christ. You have come to lead us and guide us in all truth and show us things to come. I thank you that you are the ultimate teacher and the revelator. So I ask that you, through your word and by your power, today make the word of God, the message of the gospel real in our hearts in a way that each and every one of us specifically and uniquely can receive it. I thank you that you're able to meet every need in this room today, and I thank you in advance for doing it. I thank you for your anointing and your grace to share your word today. In Jesus' name, amen. I want to talk to you real quickly this morning and share some thoughts. And if you're taking notes, um, this morning, and some people do, I, I encourage that you do. We have the Bible, all 66 books of the Bible, because there were people that chose to take notes and found it profitable that this would be a blessing in the future to many. This is the reason why we have the Bible today, because people took notes. I want to speak to you from this particular subject today. You can title it, Excited About Empty. Excited, I got, I'm going to try to get excited about empty. Excited about empty. Because, you know, I had to say that a few times because I feel like that some of you were like those at the tomb when I said that, kind of perplexed, uncertain, and unclear. 
And, and I'll, I'll make sense of this excited about empty in just a moment, but I asked them to bring me a couple props, um, some things that I thought about, and they're going to bring them, and I'll show you what I'm talking about, I think. <laughs> there we go. Real quickly, um, I, I said, can you just get me a couple things? And I asked them to bring me a gas can. And how many ever used one of these before? All right, oh, man. I'm not going to ask none of the teenagers because you already know. But, but how, this gas can, it, you know, it's, it, it, it's, it's great. It's awesome. But how many of you know if you ever go to this gas can, it's only, only real purpose and value if there's something in it. But if this gas can is empty, it has no use. Amen? And have you ever went to go get something and you just you had expectations that it would be there? You just knew, matter of fact, the last time you checked, you remember putting it there. You remember placing in that place. But when you go back to get it and you come and you find it empty, it leaves you a bit perplexed. And if the truth be told, some of you are a little bit ticked off. And, and so I thought about, and, and I don't know about you, um, I love the hot now sign. And come on, somebody. You mean you eat donuts? Yes, probably a half a dozen at a time. I'm going to go ahead and tell you. I do. Yes, ma'am. Yes, sir, I do. And I, I get excited when I see one of these boxes. But when, they, when it was handed it to me today, this is what I got. It was empty. And I'm going to tell you, when I looked at this box, I was perplexed. I was uncertain that the person that gave me this box, whether they really was my friend or loved me. Because nobody wants an empty box of, of supposedly Krispy Kreme donuts. This did not excite me. I think you know where I'm going. And last but not least, I'm a bit of a, a, a sneakerhead, and I like tennis shoes, and, and this, is, this is something that can really, I, I, I mean, and I know teenagers like sneakers, but, but, but let me just tell you, you can wrap this up, you can put it under a tree, you can put it in packaging, but I promise you, you put this in the hand of a teenager, and when they open up that lid, they're going to have something to say about you. In, in the words of my daughter, bruh. What do you expect me to do with that? And the first question was, where's the shoes? I don't need that box. I need what is supposed to be in that box. And so if you ever come across, and I could go on, but for the sake of time or not, I'm just dropping my point here a little bit, is that you got to realize that, that, that those things had a look and they were promising and they were supposed to have something on the inside. You never just want a donut box. You never just want an empty gas can. You never just want an empty sneaker box. You want shoes to be in it. You want gas to be in it. And you don't go need about 12 donuts in that box for sure. But if you come to those boxes, those containers, and find them empty, you're going to be frustrated. And so was the disciples initially. Because when they came to the tomb, the Bible said they looked in and they noticed that it was empty. And the scripture said that they were perplexed, uncertain, confused. What in the world is going on? But see, what I want you to know, it started there, but it didn't stop there. 
And some of you may have walked in this morning and, and I know we're singing about the resurrection and I know we're talking about he lives and I know we're talking about Jesus Christ and the reality of it is maybe like some of the disciples, you still got a little side eye about this rock thing, this tomb thing, this Jesus thing, this resurrection thing and you're not quite sure. You're not quite sure why people are lifting their hands and raising their hands and worshiping God. And you would even say, what's the excitement about? So what? It's a big empty tomb, a big rock. What's the excitement about? I'm going to tell you what the excitement is about. You got to understand that tombs all throughout the history of the world and even to this day were often uh, sites that became tourist sites. Matter of fact, I've actually been to, uh, to Israel to the empty tomb and stood by it and, be, and been in it. But there's places like, listen to this, the pyramids and the tombs of Egypt that people visit. There's the Taj Mahal. There's Lenin's tomb. There's the Westminster Abbey. There's the tombs in South America uh, where there's where Indians and the Aztecs were. And many people travel to these places just to see these tombs. And here's what I want you to see. All of these tombs are well, are as well as graves as our own, some of our own loved ones are in today. They're sacred because of what they contain. But what I want to say to you, that the most sacred tomb, the most important tomb, the one that has the greatest impact on the world by far is simple, simply an unmarked tomb near Jerusalem. And why is this tomb so great? Why is this tomb so awesome? Why is this tomb so empty? And as simple as this, the reason why this is the greatest tomb, the reason why this is the best tomb, the reason why this is the most awesome tomb is because it's simple. The tomb is empty. It's value, it's worth, come on, it's preciousness, it's prize, it's greatness. It's not about what it contains like all the other tombs. People are so caught up of what it contains, but when it comes to the tomb in near Jerusalem, we don't get excited if that tomb is empty. Matter of fact, it needs to be reversed. If that tomb was full this morning, we should be perplexed. If that tomb was full this morning, we should be upset and angry and uncertain because the Bible said if Christ is not risen, then our faith is futile, which means it have no meaning. But I come to declare this morning that I am excited about empty because this Sunday morning over 2,000 years ago the disciple come on somebody walked to a place and they found an empty tomb I'm gonna preach in a minute understand that it was empty because it was nobody in it the person Jesus Christ the Lamb of God the Good Shepherd the water walker the storm stiller, the high priest, Jesus Christ, the bread of life, the living, li, li, living water, the lily of the valley, the bright morning star, Jesus Christ. I'm going to go ahead and preach Jesus this morning. Jesus Christ, come on. The way, the truth, and the life. Jesus Christ, he was the door. Jesus Christ, the way, the, the truth, and the life. The son of righteousness, the scripture said, that rises with healing in his ring, in his wings. Jesus Christ, come on. He is the 
way maker. He is the promise keeper. He's the light that shines in darkness. He's the great physician. I'm going to preach Jesus until you get Jesus because Jesus is everything that we have. And I've come to declare that he is not there. He is no longer in that tomb. He's sitting on the right hand of the Father making intercessions for you, your children, and your children's children. He is standing before God the Father pleading your cause. We have an advocate. I know we got an adversary, but we have an advocate with the Father that pleads our case before God. If you're thankful that he's on the throne, give him praise this morning. The empty tomb has a message for us. The reason why we can get excited about empty, because the tomb has a message. It says to science and philosophy, explain this event. It says to history, repeat this event. It says to time, blot out this event. But it says to the people of faith, believe this event. And now this tomb stands empty. The empty tomb that has become foundational to our faith. An empty tomb was a sign for us that God's plan of salvation is complete. An empty tomb which stands as an unshakable testimony that he is who he says he is. And because that tomb is empty, the world has never been the same. I don't know about you. This morning on Resurrection Sunday, I am excited about empty. Walk with me a little bit, please. The empty tomb reminds us that God is still in control. The Bible said that Pilate, that they said to ensure that that body stayed in that tomb. The scripture said that, that, that there was a stone that was rolled. And the Bible said they sent a Roman seal, which was all, and they also sent Roman soldiers. Notice that. There was a stone, there was a seal, and there were soldiers. The stone rolled against the entrance of that tomb. The Roman seal was an actual seal that they had put across the tomb. And when you saw that seal, it says this is backed by the government. This is authorized by the government. And the government says that what's in it is in it, and what's in it can't come out of it. And if you try to take what's in it out of it, you're going to have to suffer the repercussions of the government was ultimate which was ultimately death and then if that wasn't enough the scripture said they put soldiers and historic historically if you study it it was about 16 squads of soldiers that stood out that too in other words watch this they wanted to make sure that the body of Christ stayed shut up In other words, the enemy wanted the body of Christ shut up. Can I preach it? I don't want the body of Christ to stand up or speak up. I want it shut up. Let's keep it shut up. Come on, body of Christ, shut up about that blood stuff. Shut up about that cross stuff. Shut up about that healing stuff. Shut up about that salvation stuff. Shut up about that righteous stuff. Shut up about, oh, I'm gonna, can I preach this morning? Shut up talking about God created male and female. Shut up, and, oh, I'm gonna go ahead and tell you. Shut up, just shut up. Don't talk about righteousness. Don't talk about holiness. Don't talk about living right. Don't talk about serving God. Shut 
up. Just shut up. Shut. You're supposed to live life and live anyway and accept anything and go with the flow. We're just matter. We just come from tadpoles and frogs. The devil is a lie. We're not the result of the Big Bang Theory. We're not some cosmic specks of dust that kind of morphed into humanity. The last time I checked, the Bible said, in the beginning, God. And whatever God established in the beginning, it is still the same way now. I want to declare this morning that the empty tomb tells us that God is still in control because the power on the inside of the tomb overcame the government on the outside of the tomb and that stone had to be rolled away. Why? Because God is still in control. Can I just preach a moment? I said he's in control. And there's no way that the seal could have kept him. There's no way that the soldiers could have kept him. There's no way that the stone could have kept him. Can I pray? Oh, Lord. Now, I'm going to tell you why. And there's no way that death could have kept him. Because God said this in his word through the prophet Isaiah. He said, my word that I shall go forth out of my mouth, and it shall accomplish that in which I please, and prosper where I send it to. And listen, and it shall not return unto me void. In other words, it won't come back to me unless the mission has been accomplished. Well, the Bible says in John chapter 1 that in the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. And jump down to verse 12, and it says, and the Word became flesh and dwelt among us, and we beheld the beauty of the only begotten Son, the thought, come on, Jesus Christ, the Son, that's full of grace and truth. What I'm trying to get you to say, that the Word is Jesus, and Jesus is the Word. So when God sent his Word, come on, when he sent Jesus, the tomb could not hold him because if the tomb held him he could not go back to the father and declare on the throne that I finished what you sent me to but the last time I checked on Friday he said it is finished I've accomplished it daddy and I'm on my way home I want to preach this morning hell thought it won hell thought it had the victory but God's word said it will not come back to me void I'm going to preach here because some of you, you've had a word from God. You've got a promise from God. And God has told you things about your family, told you things about your children, told you things about your career, and it seemed like you're in a season of death. It seems like that it has died and been crucified. But I came to remind you that God's word will come to pass. It will not come back unto him void. If he said it, he meant it. If he spoke it, he'll make it good. I need 12 people to give Jesus a shout of praise if you know that he's in control. The empty tomb guarantees that we can have a full life. A little boy was in a Sunday school class. The teacher gave them an egg. And she said, I want you to take that egg. And all this week, I want you to get, get examples from nature of things that represents life and new beginning. And all the other students, they grabbed their little egg and all through the week. And she said, I want you to bring it back next Sunday to Sunday school. And all the little kids got their things and put their things inside of their egg. And little, I'm going to call him Philip. I don't know why Philip, but I like Philip. But little Philip, he come back to Sunday school the next Sunday. And all the kids were saying, look, Miss Smith, here's what my egg represents. Look, Miss Smith, here's what my egg represents. And all of a sudden, you know, little Philip had been quiet. He's sitting with his head down, kind of shy. And she walked over and said, well, Philip, 
Why did I say that like that? Well, Philip, oh no. But anyway, well, Philip, she said, well, what do you have in your egg? And Philip reached down and pulled his little egg out and he popped it open. And another little student said, yeah, 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 you did it wrong. You did it wrong. You didn't do it right. You're going to get in trouble. And little Philip, he didn't do anything. He pulled on, on his teacher's little, little uh, uh, dress there. And she looked down and said, do you have something to say? Little Philip said, yes, ma'am. I did do it right. My egg is empty because it represents the tomb. And only because the tomb is empty that we can have new life. Little Philip had a revelation. Come on, somebody. I'm glad. Come on, come on. I know we talk about Easter eggs, but I'm glad that we can be reminded of empty eggs this morning because an empty egg, an empty tomb represents new life. Jesus said that I am the resurrection and the life. He who believes in me, shall, if he dies, shall live again. I want to tell you when he says I'm the resurrection and life, he was making a statement because we often view resurrection as an event. We often re review um, resurrection as some theological subject or thing. But I'm here to tell you, resurrection is not a thing of the past. Resurrection is actually a thing of the present because resurrection is not just an event that took place, but resurrection is a person and his name is Jesus. Why is that important? Because that's the point that he was trying to to get across to Mary and Martha when Lazarus was laid in that tomb. He said, you only know me as healer. You only know me as, watch this, as, as operating with prevention. But I'm going to show you that I can also operate with resurrection. You only see me stopping things. But I'm going to show you that I can start some things. And what was on my heart is that we got to understand that Ephesians chapter 2 tells us that we have the exceeding and greatness power that God has given us. What kind of power it is? It's the same power that raised Christ from the dead and sent him at the right hand of God. That power is available to you and me this morning. That resurrection power is the Greek word anastasis. It means to give life again. It means to raise up again. It means to bring back again. You may not be physically dead this morning, but I want to declare that wherever death is trying to lurk around in your life, there is a power that is greater. You might have dead dreams. You might have dead visions. You might have dead passion. You might have dead hope. You might feel like your marriage is dead and gone, but I want to tell you the same power that busted down into the, oh God, tomb of Joseph of Arimathea is present today, and God can raise you up again in this service on this Sunday right here and now. Oh, you don't look like you believe it, but I'm telling you that God can raise you up again. The empty tomb. I get excited because it gives us hope. Blessed be the God and Father, the Lord Jesus Christ, because he has, we have been born again to a living hope through the resurrection of Jesus Christ. Are you with me this morning? Notice what it said, that we have been born again to a living hope. Can I make this statement bold? The scripture said you have been born again to a living hope. I want to tell you real hope is found in a relationship with Jesus Christ. You are born again. When you are born again, you have now entered into a living hope. Because if there's a living hope, there's a dead hope. If my hope is only in the things of this world, if my hope, come on, a living hope, Jesus is the living hope. Muhammad is dead hope. 
Buddha is dead hope. Because if your Savior is still in the tomb, that ain't living hope, that's dead hope. But I'm glad that my Savior is not in a tomb and he's risen today so that we can have hope. And I just want to put, make it plain and simple. It said you must be born again. That's what God told, uh, Jesus told Nicodemus. I don't care how much money you have, you must be born again. I don't care what status you hold, you must be born again. I don't care where you live. I don't care if you drive the nicest car. I don't care if you're up. I don't care if you're down. You must be born again. I don't care what color you are, what ethnicity you are. I don't care if you like this, like that. I don't care if you're a Republican or Democrat. You must be born again. I'm going to go ahead and preach it this morning because we don't make this stuff clear. You don't just slide into heaven because you come to church. You don't just slide into heaven because mama always brought you to church. You can't get in on grandma's salvation and granddaddy's prayer life. At some point, you have to come face to face with a living Savior and you must be born again so that you can have hope that is above beyond this life. I want to preach this morning. Before I go on, the apostle Paul said, "If you, the only hope you have in this life we are all men most miserable. And you know what he's talking about? He's talking about the hope of heaven. I know in this room this morning, I've stood by some of the, you in here. I've stood by you at gravesides. I've stood by you at the funerals. And some of you, this may be your first Easter without a lost loved one. And I'm not trying to make this down or, 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 or picking on you. But the reason why I'm telling you this because I can get excited about empty because an empty tomb reminds me that we only if we only have hope in this life we're miserable but we have the hope of heaven and the, oh I'm gonna preach that death is not the worst thing that can happen to a believer the Bible says to be absent from the body is to be present with the Lord. The Bible said precious in the sight of the Lord is the death of all his saints. To live is Christ and to die is gain. As a Christian, if I live, I win. If I die, I win. For the believer, it's a win-win. I want to tell you this morning, death is not a period. It's just a comma. Matter of fact, the scripture said that for believers, we don't die. We actually go to sleep. Check me out in Thessalonians. He said, those in Christ just sleep. So when the lost loved ones enter into eternity who knew Jesus Christ as their Lord and Savior, all they did was went to sleep. And can I declare the reason why I'm excited about empty is when they say good night on earth, they say good morning in heaven because they were just sleep. Somebody needs to know that one day we're going to see our loved ones again. One day we're going to be rejoined with those that went before us hope I've got hope I want to tell you that an empty tomb the reason why I can get excited about empty is that it testifies of a terrible tragedy tr transformed in a tremendous triumph have you had tragedy to hit your life have you had un unexplainable situations that leave you with a question mark for a brain. I want to share a real st story in this church of how God can turn tragedy into triumph. This is one of our members here, that her and her husband. She sent me this a couple weeks ago. 
And she said this. She said, she said on the 21-day fast, the worship team had finished singing, and we were singing older chorus courses along with Pastor Franklin, our senior pastor. And the Holy Spirit uh, said in my spirit, if you want to be healed, go up there. I told him it wasn't time yet. And he told me, I asked if he was really speaking to me to have him sing the same chorus again, and I would go. And as soon as I said that, the Holy Spirit, the Holy, as soon as I said to, soon as I said that to the Holy Spirit, Pastor Franklin said, let's sing it one more time. I left my cane at my seat. I could not get there fast enough. I was instantly, I was healed instantly. My mind became clear. I haven't used my cane since. I've had a doctor, I've had doctor's visits and they cannot believe how well I'm doing. I went a week ago to Charleston to have a year follow-up on an angiogram of my brain. My brain surgeon said my brain was perfect and I didn't have to have another one. In the future, I can have an MRA here locally on an online visit that's fine and she said last year this time I was in a wheelchair and diapers I spent 80 days off and on in the hospital for various reasons including ongoing seizures I had to relearn how to walk I had to go to the bathroom I, to, I had to learn how to cook and so many other things my husband had to take a year off for work to care for me God has grown him so much we had almost only been married for three years when tragedy hit their life. She said, I looked at him when we were at Charleston and seriously thanked him for standing by me. And this is what blessed me. She said this, I gotta, I gotta take this glasses off. She said this, yesterday I drove for the first time in over a year and a half. David and I are going to the gym right now. I have mastered one machine and I'm getting my knees ready so I can move on to the next machine. I am so thankful to have my brain fully at work again and this is not something that's made up I used to see Amanda coming in and out of here in a wheelchair and barely could talk barely could speak her husband broke down one day in the in the parking lot fell in my arms and began to cry and she said pastor he said it doesn't feel right I said what doesn't feel right he said it doesn't feel right this is the first time I'm coming to church when my baby is not by my side I'm so broken and I'm so hurt and I don't know what to do but I'm gonna tell you I want to declare today that they are here the wheelchair is gone the brain is cleared up they're going to the gym and David got the best job that he had before he took off you know why because an empty tune says I'll transform a tragedy into triumph and guess what if he did it for them he can do it for you give the Lord a hand clap of praise Mm, sit down. I'm almost done. The Bible said this. You need to understand that that tomb, can I preach for five more minutes? That tomb, the scripture said, was an expensive tomb. The Bible said it was Joseph of Arimathea, a rich man. It was expensive. You know why it was expensive? Because the Bible said in 1 Peter, it cost God plenty to get you out of that dead end, empty-headed life you grew up in. He paid with Christ's sacred blood, you know. He died like an unblemished sacrificial lamb. It, in other words, that tomb, it was, a, it was an expensive or it was a treasured tomb. In other words, much treasure was spent for that tomb. 
And the scripture said, why, why is it a treasure tomb? Because you need to understand the price that was paid for you and I. It was not gold. It was not silver. You couldn't cash out. You couldn't Venmo nor Zelle. None of those currencies were acceptable. You couldn't write a check and date it for later so you'd make sure the money was in the bank. No, you couldn't do none of that either. The only thing that was acceptable to God was the precious blood of Jesus Christ. In other words, heaven says, I'm going to send my greatest treasure to go down and rescue my people. And what you need to understand, it speaks of your value to God. You never let the devil, you never let life, you never let situations or circumstances ever tell you that your life is not valuable and you're not worth it. God said you're worth it. You were worth everything that I had. I was willing to bankrupt heaven to come down and die on a cross and redeem you and reconcile you. Who told you you didn't have value? Who told you you didn't have meaning? Who told you that you're so far gone that your life could ever be? That is a lie from the devil. You are great work to God that he would come and shed his his own blood to redeem you and reconcile you. That tomb, the scripture said, it was treasured. But notice that it was an open tomb. The Bible said that the tomb, the door was open. Can I tell you that, the oh God, they didn't, the, the door of the tomb wasn't open so Jesus could come out. It was open so that the disciples can go in. In other words, it represents God who can open up doors that no man can close. I'm excited about the empty tomb because open doors often represents impossibilities turned possible. What have life told you was not possible for you? What has situations told you is not possible? I felt this. Who, when, have, when have life told you it's never possible for you to own a house? You got to rent your whole life. It's not possible for you to ever have a new car. And no, I'm not preaching that prosperity. God, I'm preaching the gospel of Jesus Christ. I'm telling you, I'm not preaching no problem. What I'm telling you, the enemy would love to keep us oppressed and keep us in the dark that we serve a God that can open up doors because God can give you opportunities that you're not even qualified for. You don't even have the educational. Don't get me to pull people up here because I'm looking out about three right now that will get on this platform and tell you they were smarter. They they were wiser. They had all the papers, but for some reason they picked me. I'm going to tell you why they picked you. They didn't pick you because of you. They picked you because of what they saw in you. And it wasn't your gift. It wasn't your talent. They saw that you had this treasure in earthen vessels and it was the favor of God that opens up doors that no man can close. Somebody say he opens doors. And next, that tomb, it was a memorialized tomb. That tomb, the Bible said, was in, it was hewn out of a rock. Marble, one context says. Marble, it was hard rock. It was solid rock. And the reason when you have memorials is so that you can remember. What am I saying, Javon? It represents the empty tomb. I get excited. It says to us, watch this, as a memorial, don't forget where he's brought you from. When you look back at that old tomb, when we sing these songs and you see pictures on social media and you read about that tomb, don't you forget where God brought you from. It's funny, when we're in need, we need him. But when we get blessed, we forget about him. Let's not get spiritual amnesia 
When God begins to bless us, when God's been raised, I'm going, can I just stop? Do you remember where he found you? You haven't always looked as good as you did this morning. You haven't always smelled as good as you did do this morning. Do you remember where he found you? Some of you was in a drunken stupor. Some of you was in a crack house. Some of you was ready to, ready to throw it all and give your life and throw everything away, broken and hurt. Some of you were bound with addictions, feeling alienated, ostracized. But when God got a hold of your life, he took the broken pieces and made it into a masterpiece. And here you sit today. Let's remember the price that was paid. The tomb says, don't forget where I brought you from. The old timers say, if it had not been for the Lord that was on my side, where would I be? And as I wrap up, the last thing, it was B, it was a borrowed tomb. The Bible said that tomb belonged to Joseph of Arimathea. Watch this. Are you ready? When you borrow something, the idea is that you're only going to keep it temporarily and return it. Because you realize it doesn't belong to you. When he borrowed that tomb, he was saying, I'm only going to need this about three days. No, I don't, it's, I don't need a one-month lease, a two-month lease. I'm not signing no contract. <laughs> you want a contract, I'm going to give you a cross, okay? I, I'm not signing because I'm not going to be here long. And what it speaks of, listen, borrowed time, that you and I are on borrowed time. It speaks this life is temporary. The Bible said, what is life but a vapor? It's here one minute and gone the next. The scripture says that we are pilgrims just passing through. One day, this is all going to be gone. That's why the Bible said, don't lay your treasure up in heaven. I mean in earth, but in heaven. Yes, God wants me to have a good life. Yes, God wants me to have a blessed life. He even said, I want you to live in goodly houses. And all of that is great. But what you have to remember, you can, no, I've never seen a U-Haul at a funeral. Because you can't take none of this with you. It's to be enjoyed temporarily. But we are on borrowed time. And the reality of it is, none of us know when our time is going to be called. But the Bible said there's coming a day that we'll lay this old tent down and pick up a new one. Because that's what it represented. I end on this point. That when they looked in that tomb, they did find something, J.W. They found some old ragged garments. They said, come see the place where the Lord lay. The angel said, why seek the living among the dead? In other words, he was saying, come see where the place the Lord lay. In other words, he's no longer laying there. In other words, the empty tomb says that you have to live, you can't be comfortable with where you used to lay. You can't be comfortable at what you used to be in. 
Because remember, you thought what you thought was giving you life was really bringing you death. And when you get ready to really serve God and live for God, there's some things you got to leave behind. You got a new job. You got to dress different. But then he said there was the folded napkin. And I don't know if you understood this, but ancient Jewish tradition as you stand to your feet. I'm going to explain this. Listen to this. That it was the master and the servant. And after they had dinner, they would watch the master. And what he did with the napkin had said a whole lot. The scripture said it was folded. Why is that important? Because if the master got done eating, listen to this, and he wadded up the napkin and left it on the table, it meant I'm not finished. But if they found that same napkin folded neatly, laying on the same table, that servant would look out because he's looking for the napkin. And when he'd find that napkin laid neatly on that table, you know what it represented? The tradition said, it said to the servant that the master is coming back again. So when you looked in that tomb and there was a folded napkin, it wasn't just another piece of that garment. Jesus left a message to you and I. And the reason we can get excited about empty because there was no body, but he did leave us a little napkin. He said, watch this, because on the cross, he didn't say, I'm finished. But he did tell them that I'm coming back again. And so the folded napkin that laid in that tomb is to remind you and I that one day the master is coming back again. Jesus Christ, the son of God, he is coming back again. I know many don't preach it, but there's coming a day that the eastern sky is going to split. The Bible said that he's going to descend from heaven with a shout, with the voice of the archangel, and the dead in Christ will rise again, and all who are alive and remain will be caught up to meet with him in the air. Jesus Christ is coming back again. Are you excited about empty? For more information about this message or to join us at one of our live services at Free Chapel Spartanburg, visit freechapel.org Spartanburg. Thank you for listening, and we look forward to seeing you soon at Free Chapel Spartanburg.